Hello and welcome to the Retail Journey Podcast. Today we have a very special episode with Grant and Brooke Dooley. The Retail Journey through and through. We're really excited to talk to them. I am one of your hosts, Charles Greathouse, and to my left, your better host, James Harris. And he is not paid to say that, but... uh... Yeah, thanks for joining us today, guys. Brooke currently serves as the merchandising director of Preschool Toys at Walmart and has been in uh, has served in merchant roles since 2016. And Grant is the merchandise director of adult bedding, having worked in merchandising in many categories, right? All yep, over the All store. in home. And the other thing they have in common, obviously, by their last name, is they're married. How about it? <laughs> you got it right too. I was we should have prepped you, but you nailed it. So congrats. Um, I'm proud of myself, too. LinkedIn <laughs> tells us a uh, lot. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you the retail us. journey uh, takes a deeper, closer look. And first up, about marriage. And we're going to talk <laughs> about you know the challenges of marriage. I think the, the, the retail journey of a relationship. <laughs> is the, How do we survive? The theme today. But no, let's, uh, let's hear about it. The retail journey. How did you guys end up at Walmart? Uh, and how did you meet? Yeah. You go ahead. Um, So like you, actually, and quite a few other people, um, we came right out of school and met as interns um, and kind of both fell in love with retail from there. I don't think either of us really planned on doing this, right? You're in college. You don't know what buying is. You don't know what you shop. That's all you really know. Um, Even today, if you were to ask my family what either of us do, like we work in the store, like that's what they associate, (laughs) which is great. Like there's no issue there, but um, we both fell in love with retail, fell in love with each other. And here we are. I was wondering when you were going to mention that (laughs) that part. The retail was first, right? We fell in love with retail first. Yeah. We fell in love with each other. Brooke, where are you from? Uh, Pennsylvania. Went to school in Florida. Okay. Yeah. So Pennsylvania, Florida. Arkansas. Arkansas. Did you know where Arkansas was when you found out you're getting an internship at Walmart? Or I did. Yeah, no, I did. So I know some people are like, where is that? I have to I was I pleasantly surprised. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> Northwest Arkansas has changed a ton. Yeah. Um, but it was really great when we both got here. And when um, did you get here? I interned twice, actually. And the first summer would have been 2013. Okay. Um, and it, I mean, it was a great community then, reminded yep. me a lot of Pennsylvania. Um, have always known we wanted a family. It's very family focused and family totally. friendly. Um, and it checked a ton of boxes for us. And then we were both really, really lucky in our internship and chips to have incredible people around us. Totally. And mm. to be really honest, that's why I think both of us decided to come to Walmart. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, you can speak for yourself, but Grant probably wanted to leave Arkansas. He was born and raised in Arkansas. That's all he knew. Oh, okay. And he honestly, we probably wanted to switch. He's like, let me get to New York to or to or, Dallas, yeah, or, right? Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm like, I've kind of traveled and I'm done with that. Um, but fortunately, our jobs allow us to travel a ton. So love it. Yeah. Grant, so where are you from? I am from DeQueen, Arkansas, mm, small De town, southwest corner of the state. Yep. Um, ended up going to college in South Arkansas, about two hours from there in Magnolia, Southern Arkansas University. Um, went there to play football and then um, about three years in realized like uh, I'm probably not going to go to the NFL. And you um, get hurt a lot. <clears throat> I get hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, As do our children. Yeah. Thank goodness the school pays you know, for your medical bills. Um, <laughs> but actually through a business organization at the school, met an alumni um, of the school and we ended up getting uh, talking and he, um, helped connect me with someone to interview for an internship Love it. Uh, before I was even thinking about like interning anywhere, doing anything other than 
sports and uh, ended up coming up, interning, loved it, loved the area, like she said. And What's that business program? Uh, an actus. An actus. It used Let's to be go. Scythe. Yeah. Uh, then it transitioned to an actus, but yeah, that Scythe was Scythe really is. Scythe. It's Scythe for life. Scythe for life, um, you know? We both were part of that we in college, ciphers. although she's Same. a little different because she was a part of the like national champion team, so... Hmm. National champion. <laughs> a little proud. Well. Yeah. Uh, we only <laughs> got a bigger uh, plaque on the... What's that? Uh, we got fourth? fourth place when I was uh, That's pretty good. a cipher. That's pretty good. Students in free enterprise. Now yeah. it's an actus and it means something <clears throat> close to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so entrepreneurial action us, right? Yeah, there you go. And, uh, yeah, I, you got recruited for Walmart then through Scott. Yeah, yeah, Scott McCall. Same. Uh, um, Scott's great. Yeah, that's awesome. At, uh, Same. At nationals. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Really small world, the retail journey. Well, not linear. It's there's a handful of us, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. It's been good. You learn a lot of skills that are applicable um, in Scythe to what we do today. And the internship at Walmart, uh, kind of, you know, notorious. That may have been the first time you met Twyla Brooks, uh, who yeah. was recently on. <laughs> yeah, because there is the uh, the softball uh, or baseball <laughs> game with interns and execs. I don't um, think I got invited to that. I, yeah. I see it every year. You had now to be really I'm, special, yeah. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but no, the internship was great, but I still, so I was actually in product development, private brand consumables. So working on like the Equate razor brand, razor brand launch and figuring out if we should do two, two blades, three blades, four blades. Yeah. What was it? Uh, three blades. Three blades. Uh, But anyway, so, and and then like, uh, Equate sandwich bags, things like that. So I actually left that summer, not really knowing what a buyer was still. Yeah, okay. I was so yeah. kind of in my own lane and working on my projects that I still left kind of ignorant of like the total broader structure. Um, but luckily, I kind of I applied for the the merchant leadership program and got in, and then yep. you know kind of went from there. But uh, just fun fact about you know how the internship doesn't always right. Yeah, absolutely. send you down the path you're going to end yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Did either one of you work in stores? I did. Yeah. Um, briefly. So I, my first internship, uh, was in electronics and very different experience. I was essentially, I'm, I'm kidding, but locked in a closet for the entire summer and asked to capture. It was just short of 4 million data points hmm. that I had to capture. It was Straight. myself and this guy. We're going to really Terrence. recruit Brooke to Walmart. <laughs> Put her in a closet. And I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was a grind. Um, but it was, it was good work and we ended up using it to completely rehaul, um, space adjacencies in the store. But once I realized I was going to come back to Walmart, I transferred to my college town store and worked in the store there. And that was, um, so you kept your tenure. Yeah, I did keep those couple months. Way yeah. Go. <laughs> Huge deal, but it was good. No, the store was incredible. Um, we, I mean, we love even now we, we call them eat what you cooks, um, at Walmart, mm-hmm. as you know, but, um, we love What's an eat what you cook. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, um, Eat what you cook is is getting out into stores and um, it can be a couple different. It can translate to a couple different things, but really, it's rolling up your sleeves, getting dirty, um, and showing up as a store associate. And whether it's setting a mod, whether it's moving fixtures, whether it's working zoning, pricing. I mean, it can be really anything that the store associates um, need to accomplish in their day. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 fun because you learn a ton. Um, it really completes the cycle. So yep. the decisions that we make, you see how they trickle downstream, mm-hmm. um, and we figure out when we do well and when we made you know stupid mistakes that end yep. up ultimately costing time and money for the company. So when I was at Walmart, I was in replenishment and I went over to store 100 for eat what you cook, mm. 
And the department manager said, oh, okay, you're here. Oh, you're coming from home. Okay, you what you cook. Got it. Uh, what, do you, what do you do? I said, replenishment in domestics. She goes, mm. follow me. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's yep. dangerous. We went in the yep. back room, and she goes, we don't need all of that. Yep. Yep. And they're always right. But it was a huge <laughs> yeah. lesson. Always it was right. like, you know, it's not just stuff in a box. It's, yeah. it's real stuff, real people. Yeah. If, you, if you go into a store now and you say, I'm working in domestics, and someone in that store that's still there knows what you're saying, like knows the category you're talking yeah. about, look out because they're going to yeah. give some good feedback. Yeah, you're yeah, in good hands. Uh, you just know they're going to be a veteran. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, that was a while ago. But yeah, and then on the eat, well, it, but it's, <laughs> old, I remember, right. yeah, anyways. So, um, but the eat what you cook, it's also a way for us to kind of be held accountable for oh, the totally. decisions we're making. Yeah. You know, if we're, we're making all these changes in kind of an insulated space, um, and you know, it's just us working on the numbers, working on the layout, the packaging and everything's perfect because squeezing as many items as you can. It, yeah, it, exactly. If it fits in pro space, then you know, it's yeah. going to be mm. able to fit in real life. Yep. And we're making all these great assumptions. <laughs> I tell you, eat what you cook and you're like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But then you go to the store and you actually see it come in, in the box yep. and open the box and you know, there's been cases where just opening the box with a box cutter, you're like, Oh, oh, I just damaged oh the products, crap, yeah. like we didn't put it in here right. Like right. we didn't get it shipped right. Or yeah. this isn't a different pack size than we thought it was. Or the shade of this packaging is actually a completely different yeah. yellow than what we agreed to. So Or bedding, you know, it's drawn in this dimension. <laughs> and the reality yeah, is it's exactly. about or, this much bigger. Or the worst case scenario, it doesn't actually fit on the mod. Yeah. Mm. And then you're like, wow, good yep. thing we did this. Yeah, that's yeah. a good, um, I know we're going to get into a lot of great topics, but I think one thing that we've talked a lot about um, prior to is just trust oh, yeah. with our vendor partners. And I think you never want to be in an eat what you cook or walking a store and find something you didn't know about, yep. <laughs> right? Like that's the worst as a merchant. Um, so some of our best vendor partners help us get ahead of those things and give us visibility and over communicate. But I know both of us have walked into stores before and have just found some really disappointing or, you know, egregious things yeah. that never yeah. should have gotten there and could have been avoidable. Um, but it happens, you know, in, in toys, most of the buys that I'm making are off of prototypes. I'm not playing with a finished right. product when I'm making a buy because it takes every single day to mm -hmm. get that item to the store on time. Yeah. So I got to make decisions really far out. And a lot of categories are like that. So it, it's an interesting experience, mm -hmm. um, but it's time really well we're spent. And both of us have brought our vendors into stores to do those with us. And those are probably the, yeah. the best. I bet that's um, powerful. Well, yeah. Those, yeah if those you're are a vendor the out there, ask, ask your merchant. Yeah. Uh, can we eat what we cook? <laughs> can we go? Can we do a store walk? Can we do a store visit? Can we be a part of the eat we what you cook? We set a mod, yeah. And if not, or you can't get a hold of somebody, just go do your own. Be there when the, the product's setting at a store somewhere um, and be ready to, to just give transparent you know, notes and feedback on your findings. Yeah. Uh, great, great segue. Cause we are talking about how um, suppliers can build great relationships with retailers. So remove some of the mystique from it, uh, of it for, 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 for the listeners. What, what are, what are simple, tangible things that suppliers can do to really start developing that trust with their buying team? Yeah, I think, um, there's a lot of advice out there and a lot of books you can read and um, a lot of coaches and a lot of consultants and, and those are, they're all helpful, but it really is pretty simple. I mean, the, the most important thing is it comes down to trust. You know, can you trust your partner and that they're going to do what they say they're going to do? Can you trust what they're saying, what they're selling you? Um, 
And, you know, I think a big way to win that trust is to make sure that your buyer should never learn anything before you do, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and be transparent. Like if you have an issue, if you notice an issue somewhere in the supply chain, somewhere in the store, somewhere with the product quality, just reach out. Make sure you're the one that tells us rather than us finding it. Cause I promise yeah. you that's, it'll be much, found. That's, it'll be that's found. a much worse scenario. And, um, even though it's a bad situation, if you come to me with that information, I immediately know that you're someone I can trust and that you're someone I can count on. I may be disappointed in how it happened, mm-hmm. but you helped me find a solution to it and you called it out to me. Um, and that way we can solve it and fix it for the customer a lot faster. Then, you know, that helps to build trust immediately. Yeah. Well, especially the long lead time yeah. spaces. If you've <laughs> yeah. got an issue yeah. Yeah. and you don't find out until it's supposed yeah. to be on shelf. Bed sheets are large and they take a long time to weave. Uh, yeah. So we, we need to find those quickly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot about um, value creation in general. So um, there is not a merchant at any retailer, I would imagine, that has an abundance of time. Um, mm. Retail is changing. Retail is accelerating somehow. I don't know how we can go much faster, <laughs> right? but we're finding ways to do that. Yep. And there's a lot of things, um, resources and tools and data that is that is encouraging us to do that. And that's really exciting, but we have to be more efficient, mm. bottom line. Yeah. And, um, you know, for us at Walmart, we've got this, you know, big competitor that we respect a lot, but we're also really hungry Um to get after. Um, and we can't do that with how we operate today. If our vendors aren't coming to us with faster ways, um, to solve problems, um, and really focus points of view. So I think for both of us, especially if you think about first time vendors pitching into Walmart, or maybe you've pitched a couple of times and you've landed a couple items. Um, anytime that you can make it easier for us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you. Easy right. Button. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to be a yes. Um, but I'm going to have a really thoughtful response that is either going to help you the next time you present an item or it's going to help you um, further develop and craft whatever you're working on. Um, or I'm going to say yes, and you're going to come in if you've got that that item that we're looking for. But I think once you have the item, it's really about, you know, clear, summarized data, um, Help us understand the why. Um, show us that you have a really good understanding of our customer. If you're presenting something to me and you've never walked my category, you're wasting your time. Like, mm-hmm. really, there's a lot of fundamental things, but I think just any way that you can find value creation. I know going back to what Grant said, I um, I had a vendor at one point. I was new to a category, and um, it was footwear. And you've got injected footwear, cemented footwear, right? Like, the regular consumer doesn't know that. Right. I didn't know that coming in. A widget's yep. a widget is our concept. And I went to a vendor that I really had respected pretty quickly uh, and, and said, hey, can you produce this shoe for me? And he's like, you know, I'd, I'd love to produce that shoe for you, but I'm not the guy. I do injected molded shoes. You really need to hit the quality that you're looking for at Walmart at the price points that you're looking for. You need maybe one of these three guys. Yeah. Um, it's not me. That's powerful. Immediately, I mean, just rose up to one of my top three vendors in my heart, right? Like that's someone that I'm going to trust and put a lot of weight into anything that you tell me um, because of something as simple as that. That's some great go-giving. Just, yeah. I mean, it was, um, and it was a good lesson for me earlier in my career, but um, just really, really powerful. Um, And those relationships are so important. So I think- Trust, yeah, trust is huge. Um, you're not going to get very far without it. Yeah. So you, you mentioned some of the changes in retail and the the fast pace and and a big competitor that that Walmart 
respects and works against, that competitor has companies coming to them, right? Marketplace, um, there's, there's all different kinds of models, but what, what can, what is Walmart doing to become that, that retailer of choice? You know, 15 years ago, it, Walmart was the, was the big, and now there's two bigs, right? So what, uh, what does that look like in Walmart attracting the mm-hmm. suppliers? Well, I think you could see, you know, it's pretty evident, like we had that seller summit mm-hmm. recently for the yeah. first time, <clears throat> which is huge. I mean, that's, that's what marketplace sellers want. They want an opportunity to come and buy in, you know, to what the company's doing. They want to be a part of the momentum. Um, they also want to have someone to talk to. They want to know the processes. Right. I, I think that's been some of the hardest parts for us in terms of managing like the online business. And uh, depending on the channel, you know, we're not actually the contact it's it's the marketplace the category yeah. manager so making sure like they know who to talk to they have account reps they have customer service representatives they can work with um and so a lot of it is just um really solidifying that process that framework and understanding where we're going to make our investments and when and prioritizing those investments i yeah. think that's what we're doing with ecom in general mm-hmm. um but on marketplace you know i'd say kind of two things at the same time we are onboarding all the brands. We're improving our PDPs, our site experience, et cetera. Um, and at the same time, on the one P side, we're trying to get more focused. Yep. We're trying to make the experience better, offer better value, even if it's a online only non-store item and it's one P. Mm-hmm. Like we're probably doing a little bit less of that, but we're doing it better. And we want to make sure that the item is getting a lot of visibility, a lot of reviews, and has the right value to the customer. Um, and let marketplace really grow the breadth side yeah, of the yeah. assortment. I love that. And the seller summit, um, so exciting for me. You guys remember unvarnished truth sessions? Oh yeah, yeah. At sure. YBM and holidays. Did they have those? So they had an unvarnished truth <laughs> oh, session man. with sellers. And so, if you're a seller that was at the summit, you your mind was probably blown because they're people that walked up to a microphone and said something cruel. Sure. Um, and true about how Walmart was bad at something. Yeah. And then a Walmart executive walked up to the mic and said, thank you so much. So and so, will you get up? Hey, can you solve that by yep. tomorrow afternoon yeah. and get back to so and so? Does anybody else have this issue? Yes. Okay, great. So we're going to work on that and solve it. So with great humility, with the desire to actually learn, um, Unvarnished Truth Sessions started at the you know YBM holiday with store managers who were at the time like, all right, why are we here? And we're asked to be unvarnished, tell the truth. And then Walmart did something about it, and things have improved dramatically. Yeah. And so I'm very pumped yeah. about what that means for Marketplace, for sellers overall. And I think next year at the next Seller Summit, it's going to be an absolute step change in all the right ways, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And I think um, back to your earlier question, just on how we're looking at that and growing it as an organization, um, we're trying to put more and more power in the seller's hands. We're trying to give them more access to things like Walmart Connect and, and pay-per-click advertising mm-hmm. where they can you know control their own destiny, try to drive more traffic. And we're starting to build out more tutorials and educational content for them yep. to utilize, much like one of our competitors is doing. Um, they've done it for a long time, right? And they're digitally native and and they definitely got a head start. But we are a very large, successful retail organization mm-hmm. and have the resources um, 
to play that same game and yeah. eventually do it better. But I saw in the in the Q2 results that 15% of Walmart's global sales revenue is e-com now. I mean, yeah. that's a yeah. huge, right. huge step change. And yeah. we also, I know it's kind of, people are probably tired of hearing this at this point, but we have something they don't in terms of our brick and mortar you know, essentially micro fulfillment centers mm -hmm. in our stores and pick up and delivery, um, ship yeah. from store. I mean, that, that's a huge, huge advantage for Walmart and it will continue to be an advantage. Well, and I, to go back to trust. Um, I mean, I've, as a merchant, that's the most valuable asset as a, yeah. for yeah, Walmart yeah. Yeah. to yeah, be able absolutely. to have products that you can trust yep. in, you know, product development mm -hmm. as an intern working on art, yeah. how many, how many blades in this razor, is so that you can build trust and have the right value and, you know, cemented versus injection. Injection? Yeah, you nailed it. Sure. Shoes <laughs> yeah. uh, about Now trust. you're going to start taking your shoes apart. Quality. Well, uh, and it's, and it's, it's also, um, both of us have done a lot of work in private brand categories. Yeah. And so we, you know, most of our work has been around the product development, life cycle of a product, new launching new products, trends, colors, qualities, yeah in private brands and all of it is with the goal of gaining the customer's trust mm -hmm. totally and you know when you think about that from the supplier's perspective like we talk about how to develop a good relationship with walmart or how to get gain walmart's trust like first of all it's like sell us a great item you yeah. know <laughs> you can be the greatest salesman in the world um but especially at that that limited store space that we have it's got to be a great item first and foremost yeah um and so you know, it goes back to earning the customer's trust through the quality to the, through the assortment that you have curated for them. Cause that's what we're doing. Yep. Um, and it has to be the right item. I can't uh -huh. stop thinking about that 15%. It yeah. just is like not big enough. <laughs> it's not big <laughs> like enough, it's, but, it's but it's significantly so much bigger it, than it, it was. Is, yeah. It just, it's, um, it just is not where it needs to be. And I think, um, it's coming, right? Like there's yeah. so many investments and we're getting better every day as an org and, and hopefully a lot of the vendors see that and there, there has been really good input and feedback and we hear all of it. And I think as merchants, it's really easy to get frustrated um, on some of the non-controllables. But the one thing that we can do um, as merchants that hopefully most vendors are seeing um, to build that trust and to be, you know, the retailer of choice are um, transparency. So I like, both of us pride ourselves in two way street and yeah, like uh, there's no sense in wasting anyone's time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, transparency oh. is really, really important both ways. I would say kind of to piggy on that, you know, decisiveness as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say as a vendor, like appreciate the no's as much as the yeses. Like they, um, I'm much more inclined to tell you you're headed in the wrong direction um, quickly, even if I respectfully stop you halfway through your presentation, right? Like, right. Not Learn always, from the but sometimes, <clears throat> like you have those situations where sometimes it, like we really should stop. It doesn't benefit here. anybody to it bring just, in something it, that doesn't it work. It doesn't. And let's be collaborative and let me try to help you, you know, re, re steer the ship. But, um, so I, I just think those two are, are, are so important. And then I would say the other one um, is we, we really want to help vendors be disruptive. So we, we try as much as we can to ideate and, sh you know, share um, product ideas. Like we don't, yeah. we work a ton in private brands, but that doesn't mean that we're going to hold everything to our, our chest. Like we, I love working with, with big vendors um, to create new things that we're excited to present to our customers. And I think 
if we can do some of those things better than other retailers, I, yeah. I have to hope as a merchant, those are things we can control. Yeah. I have to hope that maybe in, in some rooms that gives us an advantage. Mm. Have yeah, to help. Um, but the rest of it's kind of s- slowly coming. So retail journey, high impact. We we like data, uh, <clears throat> big part of, of what we do and what we think about. Both of you come from are, are in categories at the moment that while you've got a lot of rich Walmart data, uh, your internal data, the external data that you might have in you know dry grocery or consumables, it's it's not as prevalent. How do you gather? <laughs> coalesce the limited amount of you know external data to to help you help inform the decisions that you need to make yeah that, that's a that's a really good question um <laughs> it's funny also because charles um actually taught me retail link back in the day back when Go. i first started my journey um are you talking about dss or are you talking about retail link oh yeah because that's a pet peeve it was a retail link training Okay, um, brought so there was a multiple most things covered. Of it was focused on DSS. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, but the course was called retailing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember they updated the page once the morning of me teaching a retailing class. Yeah, I came in. I'm like, oh, I've uh, never seen this. Yeah, <laughs> before. Everyone thinks you're phony. <laughs> I'm here to, to train you. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. The good news is Walmart has had a best in class you know, data center for a long time, for decades mm-hmm. in, in retail link. And, um, despite the fact that I was <laughs> yeah. with you at the helm and, of and training. we have Thank obviously you. most of the country shopping our stores every mm-hmm. week. And so we had our internal POS, POS data is about as good mm-hmm. as any market intelligence that you can get. Right. Um, so we have a good starting point, but you're right. As things have developed and progressed in grocery and consumables in our GM categories, it has been a little slower to develop. And I've worked hand in hand with some of these uh, people that are like the associates that are building these tools. Mm -hmm. And I see exactly why it's so hard to implement NGM versus some of those other categories, but we are continuing to make those investments. And for example, right now um, I'm utilizing some, or I'm on paternity leave right now. So you're not doing much of the utilizing. But uh, right (laughs) before I left, yeah, thank you. Uh, we've been utilizing a lot of kind of smart draw systems for um, our modulars. And so yeah. I'm really excited about being able to be a lot more localized, even in our like betting businesses, mm. um, because that's going to be a big, um, it's going to be a big change for us and a huge benefit to the customer once we unlock that capability. We're using things like Luminate. And we're Luminate. Having, yeah. Huh? Luminate. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I've heard of that. You know, and I think for now, right, <laughs> for us right now, the key is to know what you need to find. So if there's a certain customer insight out there, um, demographic data, income level, whatever it is, I think that's kind of where we can start now and and we can find the tool to go find that information. Whereas, you know, the difference right now, maybe in some other categories that have all this national and global data, they can kind of start from anywhere and people are bringing them insights. You know, all of the CPG companies have access to these tools and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us right now, it's more us as it's kind of the hunter versus the gatherer. Uh, but it's it's coming along and they're continuing to make investments in those yeah. tools. Have you seen some of your suppliers start getting into the Luminate data? And how has that conversation gone? I have. Um, actually, my first supplier, si- I had a supplier that signed up and they're the, they're the first um, supplier partner illuminate in my area, but then I went on leave and I haven't gotten a chance yeah, to yeah. talk to him about so it. So really excited to come uh, back and yeah. see how they're doing. Um, and, and not to just belabor the point, but, 
because uh, I know that I talked specifically about the data there. But like I said, we've both been in kind of fashion trend driven categories, mm-hmm. quality driven categories, yeah. private brands. So a lot of it is just getting out, talking to the customer, going to market. It is a much more su- it, subjective it, it's category. It's very subjective. The fashion it's trend. The fashion yeah. colors. And our color and product teams do a great job of saying, here are the trends for next year. So yeah. like if you want to bring in this blue dinner plate, it needs to be either this blue or this blue. Mm. And so that, you know, at least kind of helps us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guide there. And, and, you know, for vendors, there's there's a ton of really great trend service companies that you can work with. Um, be, be thoughtful in what you're curating. So I, you know, before I came out on leave, I had a, had a vendor um, show us a kitchen set that was kind of like a unique blue, trendy blue. It had gold trim details um, and it had a little bit of a loud Herringbone. This is a toy kitchen set. It's a toy kitchen. Sorry, I didn't shift it home. No, sorry, toy kitchen. Toy kitchen. Um, It had it had three points from an attribution standpoint that I would classify as trend. That's too too many, right? Um, At Walmart, at at most mass retailers, you're trying to hit eight out of ten, nine out of ten consumable food, 10 out of 10, right? Like you're trying to hit as many people as you can in store. We've got Mm -hmm. our long tail online and we're going to cater to that, but in store, that's valuable space. And transparently we're looking at skew reductions across a lot of categories Mm -hmm. so that we can fulfill in a more meaningful way and pick in a more meaningful way. So when you're showing me an item that's got three trendy risk risky kinds of details on them, that that's a miss. Um, And something that had you had a better hand on maybe some trend services, who we are as a company, what we're trying to achieve, what are the productivity figures that you need to hit to even be in store? Do you, do you know, um, you know, dollar productivity, we talk, talk a ton about as merchants. So um, the trend services, you know, can't really be understated. And then at the end of the day, as merchants, we're paid to have a gut. Mm-hmm. And if you're a fashion merchant, um, you're expected to, to know trends and you can figure this out through the services, social, um, shopping, talking to customers, tons of different ways, but um, you're paid to have a gut. Yeah. So we've got to be more right than wrong and we've got to know what the customer is looking for. And Any uh, favorite stories of when your gut, you know, led you right where you wanted it to go and then maybe, you know, where it turns out. <laughs> you're wrong. Not so much. <laughs> The gut was wrong. And since Brooke is taking a drink, Grant obviously Ooh, has yeah, to I got to go, think here. Go first. When were you wrong? Oh, rarely. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. uh, I do like to think, you know, if, if I think about something that's just been an absolute home run, I probably don't have something that's like, I launched this and it did $100 million overnight. Just unbelievable. But I haven't made a lot of bad decisions, right? So it's been a cumul- an accumulation of a lot of good decisions on top of each other. Uh, but I, I would say like um, an example of kind of using your gut is when I was in kitchen towels, we knew that our better homes and gardens, so our step up kitchen towels mm-hmm. just weren't up to par. It was just a plain terry towel or like a flat uh, weave with an ink print on it, like wasn't good enough to be a step up to mainstays. And we had an idea of kind of what we wanted just by seeing what was that, like Crate and Barrel, William Sonoma. Mm-hmm. Um but since that it was a third part, so we use um, our design arm Earthbound to help us with that, um, kind of on the, on the PD side there. And you know we were talking to vendors, and but we didn't have like a, a specific spec for it. So we went out and we we're just kind of asking, and, and we saw a lot of submissions. And it was actually on the trip to India, we were at a factory and we saw it, and we we're like, this is it. 
Like this is mm. this is the towel line. And we launched it, ended up double digit growth. Let's go. Uh, yeah, it was great. Better margin, better product, better quality. Um, and so that that was just something I was That's I was fun. pretty proud of. But yeah, it was it was one of those things where like there wasn't really a, a data point. Mm-hmm. to tell me that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It was just kind of, you have the right people in the room and you're like, you all agree like this is a pretty awesome freaking towel. <laughs> so there's data that led you to knowing you needed something. Yes, exactly. And then you got to look around the corner. Yeah, the data told stuff. us where our opportunity was, where we needed to improve. Yeah. And the market told us where the white space was. Yep. Yeah, love it. And then, you know, my just genius intuition. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> no, actually the supplier... <laughs> showed us exactly what the product should be. Yeah. Yeah. I think in apparel, there's been a couple of times where I've over-engineered something. You get so excited about offering the customer better quality. And sometimes that's not what they're asking for, Mm. you know? And um, it's, it still might be an incredible value, but they, maybe it's $7 and they needed it to be four, you know? And um, there's a couple of times in apparel where, um, and they weren't, you know, necessarily huge buys, but, we, we overestimated um, or overdeveloped something um, and probably didn't listen to the consumer well enough. Um, I think the, the most fun and exciting item, and um, I, I love key items, like Key Merchant. Yeah. Um, learned that from Don Lavelle and Apparel. Like absolutely um, love finding key items and driving them until you've bought too many and the next merchant's marking them all down. Um, <laughs> it never happens, right? Yeah. Um, but I, w- I would say... Uh, Jojo Siwa, uh, when I was mm-hmm. in girl's shoes, was just kind of rising and the vendor was in my ear and uh, Jeff and Jeff and I have a great relationship, but but Jeff was just like, Brooke, you know, look at this trending on social. Like, look at these numbers. It's similar to whoever from before. Um, let's get after it. And I just kept saying, no, no, have you seen these shoes? They're loud, obnoxious. No one's going to like, I'm like, this is too much. This is too much. And I just kept saying no. And he kept, he was persistent. Um, and he kept coming back to me with new data and, and he wasn't rude, right? Like he wasn't in my face about it, but just like, I really think there's something here. And finally I said, okay, let's, let's buy some blue out. I mean, we were talking, some stores were selling 200 in a week, which in footwear is insane. Um, and we had such a great relationship and he's like, let's, let's get after it. And we sold a million pairs of those in Q4 that year. Oh my God. And the only reason it was possible was was really because that that vendor um, stayed on it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then Don let me spend a lot of money, um, and they shifted production lines in multiple factories to accommodate hmm. what we needed to go do and prioritized us um, That's at a Walmart. Trust both ways, both ways, mm-hmm. both ways, because all too not I shouldn't say all too often, but um, sometimes we have to cancel things or we have to cut back or we have to push them out, and um, when you're, I mean. Those were really big quantities, really big quantities. And it could have went south quickly. I mean, licensed product. Yeah. We've yeah, all been around licensed product. Risk. We have yep. kids. They like it one day. They don't the next. Yeah, you remember Duck Dynasty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, and so often, you know, you, you have this baseline. You say, well, let's get it 10 or 20% better. And a lot of times that's the right thing to do. Other times you need something brand new. I remember, you know, one of my first retail experiences was uh, in selling into Walmart in the luggage category. So we looked at it and said, okay, well, it's fourteen eighty eight. so can we do a, a 16 or should it be a 12? And and the merchant at the time, Sean Townsend, he said, we're going to do a $10 carry-on. 
and kind of planted the flag. And it took a year, I think, to really get it tooled and find the pieces. And I think we sold 10 million. Incredible. <laughs> it was, it was but how great to have that direction, of, yeah, that yeah, clarity yeah. on we know what we need to go do. We know what the customer wants. We know what Walmart wants. But it was like, new and it was a, it was a, it was divergent super from what disruptive. before. Yeah. yeah. And, and Walmart's yeah. built on stories like that. Super I mean, disruptive. As, as someone who's worked under Scott McCall in the past, like yep. I, I could tell you 15 different stories of where we went through a walkthrough and it was, this is going to be, we're going to sell a million units at 1697. He's like, no, you're going to sell two million units at ten dollars. Like, <laughs> um, it, so good. And it yeah. was it was always inspiring, and at the same time, it was a challenge. Like, maybe you don't actually get there, but you work like you know what to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, it was. It's always inspiring when you hear those stories. Yeah. What What's next? What How have suppliers that you've worked with, and let's kind of. There's, there's going to be dominant players in each of your categories, and there's going to be the emergent ones that maybe, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that bring some of the newer ideas, right? How can some of those smaller emerging mid-tier, how can they, um, along with a great product uh, that's at a good price, how do they bring you into the story if it's something new? Um, you know, Walk us down that, that road a little ways. Yeah, I think show us you have a really clear understanding of the category. And the market. So what mm-hmm. is everyone doing? I um, I definitely want to understand Target and Amazon as a starting point mm-hmm. in toys. Um, but help us understand that piece. If you can come with customer insights you've already pulled together for that item, it helps. Um, if you can benchmark your item from a quality standpoint, that really helps. Mm-hmm. If you can give us visibility to cost componentry, that helps, mm-hmm. right? Um, even even something high level. It doesn't have to be down to um, the grommet on an item. But if you can give us something there, that helps. Um, we mentioned it earlier, but be brief. Summarize. You don't need to drag things out. If it's a hero item, let's get to it. Um, I think those, those are all mm-hmm. yeah, a good great. starting point. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I think, you know, take advantage of complacency from the larger vendors. You know, if you're studying a category and you realize, man, this thing's been on the mod for 10 years, like I bet I can, I bet I can do it. There's gotta be a better way. Yeah. There's gotta be a better way. Um, Or provide something that's very different. Like if you're a smaller supplier or wanting to break into a category, the truth is you're going to have to take some risk and, and try something very different. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like Brooke mentioned earlier, like, no merchant at a retailer has a lot of time. Yep. And so to take a meeting or to take a phone call, to take a presentation, you know, it's got to be something like there's got to be an incentive to take it, right? It, there's got to be a chance that we could make, you know, a difference in our business and a difference for the customer to take this meeting. Uh, so come with something exciting, something different. Um, and even if you're a little uncomfortable, if you have the data to back it up, you have the market insights to support it, uh, and you've studied our categories and our assortment, like, bring it. I know, love it. Be aggressive. Start with uh, trust on the on the one side. Make sure you're <laughs> studying the customer, bringing the customer to the center all the time. Use data where you can. And at the end of the day, you got to look around the corner. Yeah. And um, use data that, that you don't think we've seen, right? Sorry. And I know we're probably moving to a different topic. But, no, that's great. Um, I think... Like you said, in, in some of our categories, internally, we haven't had a lot of access to market and customer insights that we desperately wish we had sometimes. But suppliers have 
you know, surveys and services mm-hmm. that they've paid oh, yeah. for or that national syndications have paid for um, and bring us that data. Show us that it's unbiased data and that, it, you know, the story that it tells and that it clearly points to like why you're showing us this opportunity. Um, but I would say that's that's a huge way to to kind of set yourself up for success is to to bring us that data that we may not have access to or haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah. Most merchants are really focused on share, and if you can access good share data, um, especially if you have something that's already existing in the market that you're trying to get a Walmart merchant interested in in store, um, summarize the size of the prize. Yeah. Right. Like, make it really easy for us to say yes. If you can come in and say, "I'm doing five million dollars in the market," um, your fair share is two plus. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to listen to you pretty quickly um, and decide where that needs to go. So I think if you have the ability to do that, um, which not everyone will, but that's going to be it's going to be appetizing for most merchants. Size of the prize, and, and think about the, the next of the level price? of that. Not only make it easier for us to say yes, make it easy for us to get our bosses to say yes. Right. Yeah. That's the thing yeah, that suppliers forget is that we have leadership that we need to also present these ideas to. And if we don't have the necessary data to back it up, if we can't convince them a hundred percent that this is a good idea, um, then it was kind of all for nothing. Yeah. So, well, we are just about out of time, but uh, to, to maybe wrap things up, what, what about what in 2024 are you most excited about in the business? I think for me, I'm really excited about it. It feels like there's a tremendous amount of momentum. Um, so I think, that's just really exciting. We're going to be solving some really big problems. Retail's not going to slow down. Um, we're going to become more efficient. We have to be to survive um, on both sides. So I'm really excited about how that's going to translate to the stores. Um, but I think just momentum. It's oh. a really, there's just so many exciting things. And not it's a little overwhelming because it's what do you focus on? It's right. a conversation we have a lot. Um, but there's just so much out there. Um, it's endless. And that's that's really exciting. It's really exciting. It's going to be an election year, so it'll be really mm-hmm. nice and calm mm-hmm. um, and, and predictable. Yeah, and predictable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when um, you see your sales down <laughs> on like <laughs> voting days, it's because people are <laughs> watching debates <laughs> instead of shopping. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's also. I think she kind of stole my answer when she said solving problems. Like, it, there's big problems that we're going to we're solving. Right, we're in the process of solving. Mm-hmm whether it's, you know, more functional in terms of like the mods we're building that are a year out that we're correcting a lot of things that we found and making it better for the customer. We're creating more localized assortments, better quality, better trends, things like that. But on a broader scale, um, you know, it's, it's thinking about like the increased digital acceleration, both, you know, pure e-com and our omni business. And it's, it's, all the data and the access to customer information that we're going to be getting more and more access to so that we can get better and better at serving our customers' needs, which is our job. Um, and, you know, inclu- included in that is the implementation of artificial intelligence. And how much mm-hmm. is that? I know it's scary, but it's also <laughs> going to help us tremendously. And, in, in, you know, it could even just be in automating some of the tasks that we have to free up our ability to work. dive in to more meaningful right. work. Yeah. And more customer insights. And so I think we have so much momentum uh, yeah. behind us and, and more access to things to, to be able to solve these big problems for our customers. So another lightning round question. How do you de-stress and relax? Do Lee's? 
With our three kids. Um, <laughs> we, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, three, five, T- and under, there's not a lot of de TBD. TBD. Yeah. Grant's great about getting into the gym. He's aspirational. For me, um, that's going to be my, my to-do to focus on, just fitness, yeah. health and wellness. Yeah, super, take vitamins. I mean, super important. It works. Brooke's <laughs> unique in that, that her like working is like her de-stress. Mm. Like that's, it's just how she's wired. Um, for me, I, I do, I need that kind of time. I love to work and when I'm there, I'm focused and driven and, and working hard, but I need, like, I love to take lunch by myself, mm-hmm. right? I love to just like decompress. Um, she loves to work through lunch because that's kind of energizes her. Mm. Um, so, you know, but then yeah, three kids at home, we, we don't de-stress a lot. <laughs> we love the lake. <laughs> oh, there you go. Lake. We get out on the lake. There love you it. go. Lake life. Yeah. Like, Love Beaver Lake. What's on your reading list? Uh, long, long reading list with. I just started uh, my life in full. All right. By Andrew Newy. Yeah. Like we it. read a lot of uh, what are the piggy and the elephant books, <laughs> and we do a lot of that. Uh, we have the full set. Bought it at Sam's Club. It's really, really Let's good go value. It was a great value. Um, no, I'm actually so I, <laughs> I want to start reading more fiction. Um, I never read fiction books. I'm always reading things like Atomic Habits, How to Win Friends, Influence People. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a few a few other things like uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, things like that, Essentialism, a lot of great books. But I've noticed that those books now, I feel like I've learned a lot through them, but now it just makes me like overthink everything and like, okay, I read this book and I need to apply all this. Yep. And now I read this book and I need to apply all this. <clears throat> Overlapping frameworks. Yeah. And now I think it's time for me to just read something about like, like a m- mythical creature, you know, <laughs> yes. conquering some kind of quest. And I just love that. Re- once again, go back to de-stressing and yeah, <laughs> take, love it. take my brain out of it a little bit. And engage that right side of yeah. the brain a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you both so much uh, for joining us today. It's been yeah. a really great conversation. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's yeah, been thank fun. You. It's just, it has been fun. Yeah. More fun than I thought. I <laughs> That's good. And thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, you can join us on our website, highimpactanalytics.com, or anywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. Thank you very much.